This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Larkma is a loving group of interstellar beings who contacted Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith many years ago. They define themselves as one of six and six of one, meaning that they have both individual aspects and a unified consciousness. Using the Pleiades as a base for helping humanity, they communicate with Cullen and Pia heart to heart through the energy of love. Messages from Larkma help us sow the seeds of conscious choice for change. With integrity, grace, love, and generosity of heart, Larkma provides the keys to our own freedom and gives guidance for aligning with universal truth. It is time for humans to step into planetary and galactic responsibility, and it all begins within each one of us in every choice we make. Together, in powerful amplification of what we create individually, We weave threads of conscious intention and loving choice to create a beautiful tapestry of manifested reality that will carry us into the new earth. Valeria interviews Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith, the authors of Pleiadian Manual for Accelerated Evolution and Ascension, Larkma's step-by-step guide. Pia Orlean, PhD, is a former practicing psychologist, a respected intuitive, astrologer, and the author of the Nautilus Gold award-winning book, Sacred Retreat, Using Natural Cycles to Recharge Your Life. She is co-author with Cullen Baird-Smith of the Wisdom from the Stars series. Trained in archaeology and anthropology, Cullen Baird-Smith is an empathic intuitive who has been accessing parallel realms of love and light since childhood. He is co-author with Pia Orlean of the COVR award-winning book, Pleiadian, Earth Energy Astrology, Charting the Spirals of Consciousness, Conversations with Larkma, a Pleiadian view of the new reality and remembering who we are, Larkma's guidance on healing the human condition. Cullen and Pia are also co-creators of the revolutionary 2020 Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar. They live in Europe. Meet Pia and Cullen at larkma.com. Here is the interview with Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith. So welcome back, Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith. And as you know, I ask you this question. I'm not sure if you remember from, from the first interview, but I would like to ask again. So it's the same question. In your own words, who is Pia Orlean and Colin Smith? I would say, Valeria, that Pia Orlean is a being who is here on this planet to spread love and light in any way that I can be of service. 
and learning a bit on my journey while I'm doing that. And as Cullen Smith, I am here and I have been here since my early childhood connecting with many realms and many kingdoms. As a child, I was connected to just about everything in, in the this world we live on and in the universe. I was connected to nature. I was connected to Pan's kingdom. I was connected to the fairies. I was connected to celestial beings who are everywhere out in our galaxy and around us here. So I think my task and, and my mission has been to connect with other intelligent and wise beings and bring that information to humanity so that we can all learn to live together and prosper together and be the best spiritual beings we can possibly be. So I, like Pia, have been involved in spreading and helping with the idea of love and light. A question that comes to heart is how do we or how do you balance this connection between higher evolved beings and this ordinary life in a human body? That's a very interesting question, Valeria. What I would say about that is that whenever we are connected with our Pleiadian friends, Larkma, or any of the other beings from the realms of love and light that we connect with, which are many, it's a feeling like it's taking us into a higher vibratory state, connecting with them. And when we disengage from that, the mission is to try to keep that higher vibratory state and apply it to everything here in our third dimensional realm. That's the way I integrate the energies from both so that they're always with us, but we do have certain concentrated times when we're communicating with them. And I always come back from those experiences in a higher space myself, giving me the opportunity to spread higher vibrations out into the world. I think what I can add to what Pia said is we're always energized when we communicate or speak with, as I said earlier, other realms or other dimensional energies. We are uplifted always. We are always filled with such love, such absolute non-judgment and absolute sense of, of just being surrounded by love and light. So it's an uplifting and it's in its sense that we're being fed wisdom through that love and light. And then we can transfer that to others. It's just a very, very beautiful experience that we have when we do what we do. Did you choose to be in a human body? And if you did, why? That's a Really good question and a really big question because so many humans either want to know the answer to that or they may be confused in their own lives about that question. I would say all of us, every human that populates this earth chose to be here at this time. This time on planet earth is an absolutely different experience than humans have ever experienced before. And, and I would like to say that again, have ever experienced this before. 
we have been given so many gifts and so many abilities. And one of those gifts is the ability for human choice. This planet is different than other planets in the galaxy or in the universe. Many places do not have free choice or human choice. So everybody who's here is absolutely here because they chose to be here to be part of this expansive, this absolutely transformative time that we're living in. And the answer to the question, the other half of the question of why we chose to be in human bodies at this time and to incarnate on the planet at this time, the why is about expanding consciousness. We're here to be of service to help the species, our human species, to expand our understanding of consciousness and become more conscious so that we can advance our species. Why do we have to have the experience in the human body? From my experience in the human body here, there's a lot of suffering. Yeah, there's the freedom of choice. And I mean, it's an amazing experience. question that's not answered is if it is worth it, really, with all the suffering. It's, in a way, too much suffering coming from forgetting who we are and then finding, remembering, which is the most amazing thing. So I'm just wondering if that is the dance of the universe, of life itself. Well, from our point of view, this question is very important because we have chosen, I mean all of us collectively, we have chosen to be here in human bodies because we can accomplish things in our human bodies that other beings who are not physical, who, who are only living in the etheric, cannot accomplish because they're not in a physical body. We can do things here that not only change this world, but the activities and the things we choose to do actually change the reality of places other than this physical plane. What we think, what we say, what we do, the actions we take ripple out into the universe. It's not just an experience here. This plane of existence is a huge experiment. It, it is being watched by so many societies, so many other dimensional beings. This experience of being human on this physical planet makes a great deal of difference all around the galaxy because we can do things here that make a difference in a physical way that cannot be accomplished in, in an etheric way or in a non-physical way. And I'd like to address your question about the suffering. We, we're living on a planet that's based on duality, but our Pleiadian friends Lartma tell us we've never really understood the gift or the purpose of duality because duality was always meant to give us opposite perspectives so that we could have a broader vision. And we have taken the polar opposites that we experience and separated them through fear of, oh, you're not like me, or this is not comfortable and that is comfortable. We take these polar opposites to extremes that increase our suffering or increase our pleasure. 2012, I had the great pleasure of dying. And while I was gone into the other realms before I was brought back to life again some 
some good time later, I realized and I came back with something that I've never forgotten. And that is there's no real difference between pleasure and pain. The only difference is our perception of the pleasure or the pain. They are both sensations. It's just a sensation that we have, whether it's a physical sensation or a mental sensation or an emotional sensation. They're all sensations that we put the spin on of whether it's good or bad, pleasurable or painful. And when you can step back objectively from that, you begin to see the purpose of things that may appear to be painful or that may appear to be causing suffering. You can see a bit more of the purpose and it makes a bit more sense. I would like to add very quickly upon what Pia just said. Our lives here are all about perspective. And we can perceive that there is great suffering on this planet or its its dual opposite, great happiness or great bliss. But if we practice what Pia just suggested, using objectivity, we can see that Suffering is is part of the grand experience here. It's something that, that does happen. It seems unfortunate. It seems unfair at times. But those are experiences as humans that we must go through to see the whole picture, to understand the greater idea of duality. So we do live in a grand illusion because we're caught up in things that we seem to think are painful or tragic or filled with suffering, but they're all part and parcel of the entire experience. What was the intention of writing your book, Pleiadian Manual for Accelerated Evolution and Ascension, Larkman's Step-by-Step Guide? Well, Larkma asked us to write this book. It's the final book in their trilogy. The first book in the trilogy is Conversations with Larkma. The second one is Remembering Who We Are. And they ask us, will you please write the third and final book in the trilogy? Because they wanted to get so many different ideas across to humanity to help us understand this special auspicious time that we're living in and learn how to use the energies to benefit our own evolution. So the book is full of things that sort of tie up all the loose ends that were left from earlier guidance they've given us to give us a complete picture of what we're going through, what the experiment here is all about, and what we need to do to assist all those who are assisting us to do our part and take our own responsibility to make the changes we need to make for our own evolutionary growth. The basic tenet of this third book in the trilogy, we call it the Wisdom from the Stars trilogy. And what what Larkma's purpose or aim was to help humanity understand a few simple ideas. They wanted humanity to understand that love and light are the most important and the most powerful elements in the universe, not just here on Earth, but universally everywhere. And so the the ideas that they bring forward in this book were basically to show us our true aim here, our, our true job, our true missions is simply to be love and light. And love and light are the components that create unity consciousness. And 
if we as a as a species, if humanity can learn to raise its consciousness to the point where they understand that love and light are the most important elements in our lives, then that gives us the potential to reach unity consciousness. And unity consciousness is what rules the rest of the universe. So it's a pretty simple idea, and it's a pretty powerful way of explaining to humanity that if you simply live your lives in love, trust, compassion, and joy, and joy that you have reached the stage of unity consciousness. And that, that really was their purpose in, in creating this book. And they did it in such a way, Valeria, that the title of the book is Lartma's Step-by-Step Guide. And they have gone through each chapter, instead of calling it a chapter, they call it the first step, the second step, the third step. And they take you through step-by-step step, all the way through 10 steps of learning how to evolve successfully, including they even had us put an appendix in the back of the book called The Ascension which helps people to learn how to eat properly along with all the other information they've given us. When you say love and light, the word light, the word love, we all think we understand what the meaning is. I have not actually heard from anyone anything that is not beautiful and loving when it comes to the word love, although I still ask the question. But light, what would light translate into Speaking of the human experience, what would light be? I translate light and love as being actually the same energy, but perceived differently. I would say that love is how we perceive that energy inside of us, and light is how we perceive that energy outside of us. But it's basically the same thing. It's an experience of a lighter vibration that causes us to experience love in all aspects, in all situations. So to me, love and light are the same thing, but love is how I feel it or see it on the inside, and light is how I see it or experience it on the outside. It resonates. <laughs> light is also the energy of the universe. Everything, every, every, everything in the universe is made of energy and energy is intelligent. It knows where to go. It knows what to do. It knows how to be non-reactive. Light is, is the language of the universe. And it is, it is also true and the same here on earth, simply if people understand it. So light, it's, it's the energy or the, sometimes I call it the glue that keeps everything together. It's the absolute highest vibration. It's, it's the highest motivational experience of love, which can be spread in so many different ways. But as Pia said, it is the light that conducts that energy of love. So it's a really, really important concept to understand that light is everything. It's just everything. So there are different kinds of energy, right, Pia and Colin? Would that be called a lower vibrational of darkness? From our perspective, dark has been sort of uh, misaligned 
because we perceive it in our dualistic perspective. If it's not light, then it's dark and it's bad. And even in our languaging, we refer to dark energies or dark beings or dark this, that, and the other. But that's from our dualistic perspective. Cullen and I actually prefer to say lower vibrational energies rather than dark energies because the night sky is not a bad energy. Mm, it's dark, yeah. it's very dark, but it's beautiful in its darkness. And the way we have viewed dark through polarity is that dark is bad and bright light is good. And we like to say higher and lower vibration of energy rather than light and dark as opposites. And, and also, many, many people shy away from, from their conception or idea about staying away from anything dark. And P and I have a, a different perspective on that. There is dark and light in everything. Dark is part of the whole process. It's part of the whole program of everything. And so what we have to do is have a, a greater understanding or a greater concept that, that yes, there is dark, and yes, there is light, but they balance each other out. When they're used properly, when they're not thrust into a dualistic position of oppositeness that is in conflict, conflictual, if they're just used in their natural balance, they do, as Cullen said, balance each other out. It's only when we react to them in the extremes that it becomes problematic. When, when, we, dive, when we dive into the void, if we meditate deeply and we lose ourselves, we go into the void, or what some people call, they call it different things. Um, there are many, many names for it. But, but in the void, we are able to be so quiet. We are able to be so peaceful. We step away from our mental thoughts, and that void is in the dark. Not a negative dark, but in, in this huge, huge pool of darkness that allows us to truly be who we are. So dark does not need to have nasty or negative vibratory understandings at all. It's not, it's not a negative thing necessarily. In that way that Cullen's explaining it, you would see darkness as a point of rest mm. and as a point of action. You mentioned energy versus time. So the time is perceived, or it is, an illusion. So talk to me about time and energy. We've been under the spell of time, pardon the pun, but for a long time. <laughs> the Orion calendar was created. It took away our alignment with nature, and we began to artificially measure our turning of the days with an artificial clock and an artificial calendar. And if you doubt at all that is artificial, just notice that once every four years it has to be adjusted to be in harmony with nature because it's not in harmony with nature. We have this arbitrary setting that one day turns into the next at midnight, but that's not harmonious with nature. In nature, the energy actually changes at sunset every night. Lord Mahatas create a Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar, which superimposes the energies of each day on the Gregorian dates so that people can begin to understand and feel the energies that are naturally present on each day as we cycle through 
different patterns of energy. If you notice that, then you can find out that you really have a certain resonance with this energy. You don't have a resonance with that energy. Or certain energies are better for doing this and other energies are better for doing that. And you're living your life according to that schedule rather than, oh, on Wednesdays I go do this and on mm. Thursdays I do that. Right. It's much keeping with your own natural rhythms of harmony mm. in accordance with what nature wants. The Pleiadians, the Pleiadians gave the, the Mayan culture the idea or the concept of energy as a way of understanding how things work on this planet. They, they gave this wisdom to the Mayans over 5,000 years ago, and it was an attempt to help humanity understand that nature is the best timekeeper and that if, if we follow nature, as Pia just mentioned, we're living in natural rhythms, day, night, seasonal changes, Everything that has to do with cycles is connected with energy. And so living a life through nature and energy makes a complete different sense to us than artificial calendars or artificial clocks. So it's, it's been a very long time and people have, have lost the idea of what the Mayans understood and tried to teach through the Mayan calendar, which was about energy, not time itself. And so now the Pleiadians have come back, a different group of Pleiadians today in modern timing, and have given us a new version of understanding in modern terminology, energy. Each one has a specific designated understanding, how to use it the best, how to use it poorly, and that's reflected in the legend in our Pleiadian Earth Energy calendar. So people can begin to operate this way and get out from under the spell of time, which, by the way, we're beginning to feel like we have less and less of. Mm -hmm. So right. it's moving us in that direction. Yeah, it feels so true when I hear that there's alignment, living more in alignment with nature the body responds to it with joy. <laughs> like, yes, of course. <laughs> Why is it important to accelerate our progress toward achieving ascension rather than repeating the old karmic loop? I took the phrase from your book and I made it into a question. But before you answer that question, what is the karmic loop? The karmic loop is reincarnating over and over again to learn lessons at your own pace so that you move through karma in the way that it has always been understood traditionally. The Pleiadians don't have that same view of karma at all. The Pleiadians say that karma is created in each second that you decide something, you think something, or you do something. You create karma that's not meant to be experienced in another lifetime. You experience it right now. And the reason for the acceleration is to be able to understand that we can experience the repercussions of our choices in the very next second if we pay attention to what we're doing. So if, if every choice we make, uh, I said this earlier in this conversation, Every thought we think, every word we speak, every action we take, if we take into consideration the highest good of all, 
in each one of those choices, we no longer create karma because we're making a choice not only for ourselves, but we're making a choice for everyone else, every other person, every other animal, every other being. And by doing that, we break the karmic loop because if we're doing our best to think of every possible being in every choice we make, then we're doing the highest possible thing we can do by raising our own vibration. And then that goes out and out and out and helps every other being's vibration raise itself too. And the reason for the acceleration is because the energies on the planet are accelerating. And so us, for us to keep up with the evolutionary energies on the planet, we have to accelerate our own progress. I'm wondering what the signs are when we have made a choice that we think or we perceive as being good for us and everything else. I think the sign of a good choice is a joyful heart. Hmm, yeah. I think it's real simple. If it's a joy, if you have a joyful heart, then you've made a choice that is radiating good for everybody. If you're uncertain about your choice, if you are fearful about your choice or you're uncomfortable about your choice, it may not be the best choice and it may need other consideration. But if it, whatever choice you're making, if it makes your heart joyful, then you're choosing something that's from love. And I don't just mean, oh, this makes me happy because I just spent several thousand dollars on a new car or whatever. I don't mean that kind of thing that makes you temporarily happy. I mean true joy that's just bursting out so much you want to share it with everybody. That can come from the smallest choices or the biggest choices we make, that kind of joyful experience. We, we use a Mayan term called in Lakesh. Mm, and yeah. in Lakesh simply means I am another yourself. And if everyone lived by the meaning of that word, no one would make any poor choices. No one would make selfish choices because they would understand that if they don't treat everyone the way they wish to be treated, they are creating a disturbance in the field. They are doing something that is not of the highest vibration for everybody involved. So that the term in Lakesh to us is a very good way of understanding breaking the karmic loop. The vibrations, are they elevating? Are we evolving? <laughs> I guess I want to know <laughs> if this is happening at this time. I think we're at a choice point right now where people are either choosing old values and old paradigm or they're choosing to accelerate their evolution. And I think a lot of people are waking up. And as they're waking up, they're going, I don't want to do it the old way anymore. It's not working. And they look around and they see all the disharmony all around them and all over the planet. And so they are beginning to make higher vibrations choices. But there are also a lot of people who are firmly entrenched and I don't believe in all that stuff and I just want things to be the way they are and everything's about progress. And I'm just going to stay in this competitive mode because I need to be the best. And as long as they get stuck in that 
they're still in the karmic loop. But there are so many people who are beginning to wake up and say, that's not working and I want to do it differently. And that is showing signs of evolution. We see a great split around us. We see, as Pia just said, that that many, many, many people are waking up and they're opening their hearts. They are changing the way they perceive the world. They, it, it's, it's a dualistic thing. They're seeing how they are changing themselves, but they're also seeing how the world is changing. And that is an absolute heart-opening experience. But on the other hand, at the other end of the shift, we're also seeing what Pia explained as those who are so filled with fear that they cannot move forward. They cannot understand that opening of the heart is such a simple experience. It, it's a choice. It, it doesn't It doesn't take a lot of energy. It doesn't take a lot of courage. It's simply making those choices to open one's heart. So there is a split happening. And so we, we see many people growing, expanding, enriching their lives through love and light and through vibrational changes. And then we see the other part simply staying where they are and not moving in what we would say a very positive direction. So duality is showing up really full force right now on the planet. Speaking of fear, what is the biggest fear for those who choose not to open the heart and follow love and light, as you put it? I think they're afraid they're not good enough to be loved. I think it's a very basic fear that they feel like they're not lovable or they're not good enough to be loved. So if they open their heart, they're afraid someone's going to criticize them. And it comes because so many people have experienced meanness, abuse, unkindness, something as young children, and they don't get over that. They stay with those scarred feelings stuck inside of them, and they don't take the opportunity to see what it would feel like if they did open their hearts. There, there are so many people on this planet who are so traumatized by experiences in, in childhood, in adulthood, in, in parallel lives, in so many ways that, that their, their collection of traumas keep them from opening up because if they open up, they feel, whether it's conscious or subconscious, that they're going to be hurt again and again and again. So they put a protective wall around their hearts and they don't want to feel more pain. They don't want to feel more suffering. So many people are stuck in that loop of the fear of, well, if, if I'm not loved, if I'm not lovable, I don't think I can love myself. And we have to learn to love ourselves first. And if we don't, we're not going to be open to love from others. That's one reason why so many people look for their soulmate, which they call their other half, because they're looking for somebody to complete them, because they feel incomplete themselves, rather than loving themselves fully and then attracting a soulmate that's truly their match. They're looking for somebody who's going to say, you're okay, I approve of you. And therefore, that gives them permission to feel good about themselves. These, these traumas that, that I described are actually held in the cells of the body. They're, they're, not, they're not held in the mind. They're actually held in the cells of the body. And that's why people are so protective 
of themselves because they feel in their bodies this tenseness, this this anxiety. And if if they could only understand that if they let go of that tension and that anxiety, their bodies would loosen up and that they would be more available not only for love, but they would be available for joy and bliss and all, all of the other things that are our natural birthrights. Let's talk about the steps. There are 10 of them. And what I would like to do is I would love for you to briefly describe what each step is about and why it is important to understand them. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Cullen's already started talking about the first step, about unity consciousness. And unity consciousness is just simply beginning to see the world through the word that he shared in Lakesh, I am another yourself. So when we start thinking that way, we stop the selfish division that we have all the time of competition and comparison and all that energy. We move towards consciousness from a unified perspective. That's step one. In step one, I made a note here about the energies of three loving. So that called my attention. So would you talk to us about it for a moment? The three loving. That's so inspiring, of course. And the number three and then loving. A computational point for humans to make evolutionary change, according to the Pleiadians. And the reason why is because... The three is the universal energy, and the loving is the earth energy combined together. And three is the energy of creativity, which can create beautiful things and, and loving changes that need to be made. And loving energy is exactly what it says. It's bringing all opposites into a place where we can love everything instead of judging it as being on one extreme or another. We just love everything. So three loving is an energy to create that perspective within ourselves and make a computational leap. So step two, objectivity, experience, and judgment. Step two about judgment. Well, judgment is, is one of those things that humans do when when they don't understand something that's different than they are. If someone comes against or up against something that's different, it can make them feel separated, fearful, uncomfortable. It can do many things to them. And judgment is part of duality. It's, It's the understanding that if I see something that's not like me, Maybe it makes me nervous because because I, I don't understand it. It it doesn't it doesn't feel comfortable to me. So judgment is one of those things that we must get over because it keeps us apart, it keeps us separated. And we we could sidestep so many things, national rivalry, war poverty, all of the things that, that judgment brings up, if we simply opened our hearts and realized that we don't have to fear anything, we can see something different, accept it and say, oh, well, that's different than, than, than who I am, but maybe it's just as good as who I am. So judgment is a, is a thing that we need to simply step away from. And the way to do that is by becoming objective instead of attaching to a polarized viewpoint or belief 
Just become objective about it, and then you can stop judging it. At some point, we feel like so in alignment with um, nature, with um, the true reality or the universal laws. And then at other times, uh, we feel like we have lost connection, and then we fall back into these old patterns. I'm wondering why this happens. Is that because we are not really committed, made the commitment towards uh, this building a strong connection with the universe? I think it's because it's familiar to us and it's easier to fall back in a familiar pattern yeah. than to take the courage to try to do something differently. We, we are so used to reacting instead of accepting or responding to, to new and different things. All humans have a, a, a knee-jerk reaction to, oh, it's different, maybe it's dangerous, maybe I should be extremely wary, extremely careful. Getting past that reactive trigger is the secret to that. So instead of going through all the steps, let me focus on some of them that caught my attention. And the next one was step five. So this is the question that you raise here. It's very inspiring. So where is your consciousness? Talk to me about step five. Consciousness is everywhere. It simply is everywhere. One of the easiest ways to see that we're not clearly aware of consciousness is we think it lives in the mind. We think that's the only place our consciousness is, is according to what we think. But the body has consciousness, too. And our feeling state has a level of consciousness, too. Whether we're choosing higher feelings or lower feelings is consciousness. So consciousness is everywhere. It's also in everything. It's not just ours. It belongs to everything. Every energy, as we said before, has consciousness. So we can, we can look at all elements on this earth, a rock has consciousness. A tree has consciousness. Insects have consciousness. Um, animals, especially pets, people who, who live so closely with their animal friends realize that pets are very intelligent. They have feelings. They have consciousness. So it's really important to understand that, that consciousness is everywhere. And I think the question about where is our consciousness is that we should see everything as conscious. And if we do that, that brings us back to in Lakesh, that brings us back to Ahimsa, the ancient Sanskrit term for do no harm to any other being. Consciousness is everything. And if we employ consciousness in our own lives, it changes our perspective because we see the entire world and the entire universe as a very positive, very loving place. Another question I had was about, I still have, is the becoming a cosmic citizen. Would this be the same as the authentic human you speak in the book or the future selves? or even the uh, rainbow body? Yes, you've got all the terms for the accelerated new being that we're trying to become as a species. Becoming a cosmic citizen means that we operate from that great principle of love and light in everything we do because that's the greatest power in the universe. 
And the steps to becoming that are, first of all, to become authentic ourselves so that we are transparent in what we show to everyone in the world. We're not trying to hide things. We're honest. We're transparent. We're loving. We're giving. That's being authentic. Cullen has coined the term future selves because we're always striving to be a better version of ourselves. And the future self is the new human that we will be as we move into higher states of vibration and make higher and better choices. I love that section here where you wrote, healing used to be much more possible because body and soul consciousness were aligned. You do not have any recorded history about when humans were able to listen to their body wisdom in alignment with their spirits and their souls to perceive what their total consciousness was sharing. Yeah, that really um, says a lot to me, this alignment. It, it really goes back, when I think about the body, it always goes back to nature. Body belongs to nature, is nature itself. That's exactly what, Valera. You've grasped the heart of it right there. And one other thing that Lartma says the most important thing to know about healing is joy. That if we feel joy, then the cells in our body are going to begin to heal. And when do we feel joy? When we're in alignment with nature and beauty. And nature is beauty, from my perspective. <laughs> well, to, to further answer that, that idea that, that you brought up, we, we have stepped so far away from nature that most people don't even know they are part of nature. Many, many people spend absolutely no time outdoors. They spend all of their time indoors without realizing that they have to be outside. They have to walk amongst the trees. They have to be near water. They, they have to be within the energy of nature. And you cannot do that indoors looking at a screen, whether that's a computer screen, a television screen, a cell phone screen. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And what, what has happened since the Industrial Revolution, coming up to be almost 300 years old, is the faster we move as a collective, the, the faster we become engaged with technologies, ancient technologies, modern technologies, everything in between. Each time a new invention is discovered, each time a new discovery is made, we step further and further away from nature. And that activity keeps us from being balanced. We cannot be balanced if we don't realize we are part of nature and that we spend a good time of our lives in nature. I see so many people who are allergic to pollen and ragweed and all that. So I'm wondering if that has to do with this, this connection. That's very well said, Valeria. I would say that's a pretty complex question because people can indeed push themselves away from understanding they are nature. But there's a more complex issue here, and that is that our very environment is changing. We have toxins in almost everything. We have toxins in the air. We have toxins in the water. You have toxins on your skin if you walk into a store and take a receipt, because all printed receipts have bisphenol on them, which immediately puts toxin that's absorbed into the skin. So human beings today in the modern age 
are assaulted by so many toxins because of poor decisions by those that create things like that, that they become allergic to almost anything. And it gets triggered by natural sources like pollen in the air because they can't respond in the same way that they would if they weren't toxic in their system. If they didn't have all the toxins in their system automatically, they would not have the reaction to nature. Also, often allergies like that that are extreme are also indicating that there's an emotional allergy to something in their lives that they're not dealing with. And the next one relating to what you just talked about, about toxins that we are constantly being exposed to and ingesting, food, diet. So you do have a section in your book called The Ascension Diet, and you have eight steps. The recommendations are vegetarian. Uh, it's a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet. Talk to me about choosing to eat vegetables and grains and non-animal foods. It goes along with the principle we were speaking of earlier about do no harm and Lakesh seeing everything as consciousness and not wishing to do any harm to anything or anyone. If you're eating an animal, that animal has been killed. That, that has two implications. The first implication is that the animal experienced fear and suffering when it died. So you are complicit in the action of the animal's death because you're eating it. So therefore, that choice means that it's okay to take another's life, which it really isn't. All life is to be respected. The secondary thing that's important about understanding that is if you're taking in as nourishment something that has been killed, there's a contradictory principle there because that's a death energy. You're taking in the energy of something that has been killed, which promotes death, and you're trying to nurture yourself, which promotes life. So there's a contradiction in terms and that misunderstanding. Pleiadians are very, very non-judgmental about this. They say it's entirely your choice what you eat. But if you eat the lighter plant-based diet, your vibration is higher because you're operating from the principle of do no harm to others. In the general ascension process that, that humanity is going through, if we become lighter and lighter in vibration, it makes the ability to transcend living here in a way without having to die out of the physical body. It allows us to join our physical bodies with our etheric bodies, which creates the rainbow body. And the, the idea of a vegetarian diet is simply becoming lighter and lighter and lighter and that helps us in a transition between the old paradigm of a carbon-based body to a crystalline-based body. And what, what that means is a carbon-based body is a heavier vibrational body, and we're moving towards a lighter body, which is crystalline. Crystalline body is a body filled with light, and that's our job, is to move towards being light-filled. And love-filled, light-filled and love-filled. Pia and I have been food researchers for 40 or 50 years. We've, we've been experimenting, testing, changing. What we know about a plant-based diet is that there is easily as much protein available through 
specific kinds of foods that, that can be eaten that, that are completely as protein-rich as any, any meat. So it's possible to sustain life and often in a much healthier way, actually, with alternative ways of, of eating. So we have no judgment, of course. We, we don't choose or care what anybody eats. It's all on an individual basis by individual choice. Yes, I love this idea of non-judgmental and just choosing as we feel we are ready to um, whatever path we are ready to walk on. And yes, but this is something that is illuminating to me. I needed to hear that. Well, yes, because it resonates with the heart. That's what's important. When it resonates with the heart, that's the most important thing. That's that's the highest signal that we can get. That's the highest intuition that we can receive if it resonates with the heart. We totally agree with you. Yeah, and it does. Yeah, absolutely does, Colin and Pia. So before we end the conversation for today, would you like to add anything? Just how instructive and heart-filled your conversations and your interviews are and how much we enjoy having these conversations and sharing these very important and heart-based ideas with you. And I, and I would just like to say very quickly, what we've talked about tonight with you is all about unity consciousness. It's all about the idea that we're all in this together. We're all part of the same spiritual family and that as one of us grows, the other grows. And as we share wisdom and we share knowledge, it helps all of us. So this this kind of, of radio show is an absolute example of us creating in Lakesh and unity consciousness together. And that's, that is why we're here. That is our mission. That is why all of us have come here to create this kind of world together. Thank you so much again for your presence, your light, loving presence as always. And um, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. We enjoyed it very much. And yes, we will talk soon. This has been a very uplifting conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pia. Thank you, Colin. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Pia Orlean and Cullen Smith and their work, please visit larkma.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.